0: Lord be with you. Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up a mountain. And there they see Jesus shining like the sun, surrounded by Moses and Elijah. And Peter says, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish it, I will build three dwellings one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And then God cuts Peter off. Right? It literally says, while he was still speaking, a cloud overshadows him, and the voice from the cloud says to Peter, hey, this guy over here, Jesus, he is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. How about you listen to him, instead of coming up with ideas for yourself about building dwellings up here. So you know what Christians have done on that very spot? We have built three chapels, one for Jesus, one for Moses. And one for Elijah. And I think there's a reason for this. And that's because in life we get our ups and we get our downs. And sometimes we get these peak experiences, these mountaintop moments of joy. Moments like as a kid when you you have a birthday party and all your friends gather around. Or maybe your graduation days. or, Or maybe your wedding day. We have these incredible mountaintop experiences and maybe sometimes in life you get the experience of fulfilling a dream of a lifetime and going to the Holy Land and getting to see the mountain where Jesus was transfigured. And as much as we want to hold on to those mountaintop experiences, build buildings where we can just say, I'm going to stay in this day forever, eventually we have to come down from the mountain and go back down to the valley. Eventually we blow out our birthday candles, and we go back to school. Eventually, we get our diploma, and then we have to find a job. Eventually, we tie the knots, and then we start doing dishes. And if you've just, like me, gone on the Holy Land trip and seen this mountaintop where Jesus was transfigured, eventually you come back to the Sacramento Valley, where you have handed off for two weeks your pastoral care responsibilities to your good friend and mentor, retired pastor, Will Keys, for which I am incredibly grateful. But here's the thing. When I left to go up that mountaintop, my pastoral care responsibilities included caring for Carl Johnson, a longtime member of this congregation who was in the hospital. But he was doing fairly well. His wife, Faye, was there by his side to support and encourage him. But when I came back down from that mountain to this valley what I discovered was that not only was Carl in much worse shape than when he started, his wife Faye was now also in the hospital in really bad shape. And when I say Carl was in worse shape than when I started, I I want to give you some context. And the context is this. The first time I met Carl, I had just started here as a pastor, and I had yet to meet him in person when I got a phone call that he had been taken to the emergency room. And being worried about this new flock that I was entrusted to care for, I raced down to the emergency room and I said, Hello, I'm the pastor for Carl Johnson. I'd like to see him. And they said, Yeah, we can lead you right to him. And as the doctor led me back through the hallways of the emergency room, I heard this booming laughter. And I thought to myself, this is a very strange sound to hear in an emergency room. But the, the farther we walked towards where Carl Johnson was supposed to be, the louder this laughter got. And so sure enough, the room where Carl was featured a giant of a man just roaring out laughter after laughter. And the nurse was just laughing right beside him. And I thought to myself, who is this man who gets taken to the emergency room? And his response is Laughter. Well, I will tell you, every time I have gone to the hospital since then to see Carl, it's been the same story. He has a gift of finding joy in every place, of complimenting every single person who helps him in the hospital. And this is what I've come to expect of Carl. But when I came back two weeks ago and I visited him, what I discovered was a man who for the first time could not laugh in the hospital. I discovered a man who was in so much pain that he said to me, Ben, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. His mother, whom he deeply loved, died when he was 20 years old, and he said to me, Ben, I think I just want to go be with her now. I'm tired of this. Why why should I keep on going? And I thought to myself in that moment, if coming down the mountaintop, if coming to the valley means that you have to walk through a valley full of suffering and pain, why in the world would anyone want to come down from that mountain? When Peter says to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish it, I will build three dwelling places, one for you, one for Moses and Elijah. Peter knows, as he says that, that what awaits them down the mountain is the valley of the shadow of death. Peter knows that awaits them because Jesus, six days earlier, told him so. Six days earlier, Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, yes. And then Jesus says to Peter, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church What a joyous day for Peter. And then Jesus says, and the Son of Man must be rejected, suffer, be crucified, died, and then on the third day raise again. And Peter said, no, by no means, this must never happen to you. And Jesus has to say, get behind me, Satan. And then Jesus tells to Peter, he says, if you want to follow me, you've got to pick up your cross and follow where I'm about to go. But Jesus realizes in that moment that Peter is not yet ready to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He's not ready to follow Jesus to the cross. And so Jesus first leads Peter not to the cross, but up a mountain. Up a mountain, and there Jesus shows Peter this vision of glory. This vision of Jesus shining with God's splendor, surrounded by the greatest heroes of the Hebrew faith, Moses and Elijah. But having given Peter this incredible vision of beauty, Jesus says to Peter and the other disciples, don't tell anyone about this. Not yet. Don't tell anyone about this until you have seen the Son of Man raised from the dead. Because the transfiguration beauty on the mountaintop doesn't make sense until you have walked through the valley of the shadow of death. And what the transfiguration meant didn't make sense for me until I came back to the Sacramento Valley and walked on the fourth floor of Enloe Hospital and sat in the room with Carl Johnson as he was in too much pain to want to live but not weak enough to die. And as I tried to find some way to give him encouragement, some way to give him hope, I noticed that on the window of his hospital room, he had pictures. All sorts of pictures pasted up on the wall. And I asked him, Carl, what are these pictures? And he said to me, those pictures are the only things that are keeping me going. And I said, Carl, what do you mean by that? What, what do you see in these pictures? And, and he started describing them. And some of them are literal mountaintop experiences. Like the one on the far left is, is Faye in the Alps. Uh, And some of them are metaphorical mountaintop experiences, right? The, The one in the wooden frame is Faye and Carl's wedding day. And next to that is the wedding day of his daughter. But then there's also other ones on there that don't seem like special days at all. There's pictures of his grandkids making silly faces at him. There's pictures of him sitting with an old friend, an old rice breeding buddy, just talking. But as I listened to him describe these photographs, describe how they gave him encouragement to go through this hard time, I realized that these were photographs of moments of transfiguration in his life. Maybe not literally on a mountaintop, but in all the ways that matter, they were moments of transfiguration. Because in the transfiguration, Jesus, first of all, is surrounded by people that he cares about. Moses and Elijah. And in these photos, Carl is surrounded by the people that he cares about, his wife, his daughters, his grandchildren, his friends. In the moment of transfiguration, Jesus hears the voice of God say, You are my son, the beloved. With this one I am well pleased. It is a promise that Jesus not only belongs to a loving family, that he is loved and God rejoices in him. And in those photos, You could see Carl belonged to a family, that he was loved, that people rejoiced in him. On the mountaintop, Jesus shone with God's glory. And in these photos, Carl shone with a glow of being loved. These were pictures of what transfiguration looks like for us in our everyday lives. And as I looked at those photos and listened to Carl describe them, I realized that the moments of transfiguration that we get exist for the valley of the shadow of death. Life, it doesn't exist so that we can have birthday parties to blow out candles. Life exists so that we can savor every breath between those birthday parties. We go to college Not to get a diploma on graduation day, but so that we can apply what we have learned to meaningful work each and every day afterwards. We get married not for the wedding day, but so that each and every day after that we have someone to share a life with forever. The point of the transfiguration, life, excuse me, the point of life is not transfiguration The point of transfiguration is to point us towards life. That's what it's about. And that's what we don't understand until we've walked through the valley of the shadow of death. Those moments of transfiguration don't make sense with us until we have walked through those dark times in life and we have seen what those moments have pointed to. For it's only in the valley of the shadow of death That we realize that we have birthday parties because they point us to people who will help us savor every breath of our life. It's in the valley of the shadow of death that we realize we have graduation days because those days will point us to the people who will help us make our work meaningful. It's only in the valley of the shadow of death that we realize we have weddings because those weddings point us to the people who will help us forge a family, not just one day, but forever. On top of that mountain, Jesus shows his disciples a picture. It's a picture of what life will look like after death. What we see in that picture is a picture of belonging. A picture of being loved, a picture of being cherished and rejoiced, in, a picture of being surrounded by people who care for us, of glowing with their love. That is the picture that Jesus shows to his disciples so that he can point them to what exists on the other side of the cross and on the grave. So that as Jesus calls them to walk with him through the valley of the shadow of death, they may not fear any evil because they know what waits on the other side. They have seen it. And because they have seen it, so have we. And Carl Johnson was in the worst pain of his life. He was able to look at those pictures, those pictures of moments of transfiguration that he had experienced. And though he could not in that moment feel for himself any sense of belonging, any sense of love, any sense of rejoicing, he could look at those pictures and see that there was a time when those things were true. And because he could see it once existed, he could trust that it would exist for him once again whether in this life or in the life to come. That is the promise that we are given. And look, Carl, he doesn't know what his future holds, but he is getting better. I give thanks for that. It should be this week that he can transfer out of Enloe Hospital, that he can get transferred into a skilled nursing rehab facility, to get his strength back and maybe even get transferred to the same one that Faye is going to be transferred to in ready. But Carl doesn't know what the future holds. But he does know that he is held, now and in the future. He is held in love. And that knowledge has given him the strength to hear the words that Jesus says to the disciples on the mountain of transfiguration. Get up. And do not be afraid. And so, Carl has. He has started to get up and to not be afraid because he has seen the promises that God has given him in this life and in the life that is to come. Years after Jesus is raised from the dead, Peter writes about that experience. Peter writes to that experience on the mountain of transfiguration after Peter has learned to walk through the valley of the shadow of death to not fear evil. After Peter has already begun his own journey to be crucified on a cross for Jesus' sake. And Peter writes to the disciples of Jesus, to us, centuries later. He writes about that experience on the mountaintop, and he says, let this be to you as a lamp shining in the darkness until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Peter says, I have seen what waits for us on the other side, and it has been a light for me in my darkest moments, so let it be a light for you also. Peter has his memory of the mountaintop. Carl has his pictures on his hospital window. And I invite you to consider those moments in your life when you have known without a doubt in your heart that you belong, that you are loved, that you are cherished. What are those moments of transfiguration to which you can hold as a lamp in the midst of darkness? And I want you to take it one step further. Throughout the season of Lent, I want you to bring photographs of those kind of moments. This next Sunday, I encourage you to bring photographs of you, when you have felt you have belonged to a family who loved you. It can be a family that you received at birth, or it can be a family that God gave you through love. But bring photographs next Sunday. Make them copies so that you don't need to get them back. Because yeah? what we'll do is we'll place them on a cross. On the cross that on Easter Sunday we will cover in flowers. But through Lent, we will cover it first in a collage of photographs of the places where we have seen God's love, where we have seen transfiguration, when we have seen our fears be met with God's hope. We can't stay on the mountaintop light forever. But Jesus brings that light to us in the valley of the shadow of death. Jesus has given us that light. So may we let it shine. Amen.